The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Today I have with me Chantelle Henry. Chantelle and her husband are the co-founders of the Best Sellers Academy, a company dedicated to helping experts become thought leaders by developing the intellectual property that expands and sustains their businesses. With over 15 years of combined experience in the consulting and publicity industry, they have successfully guided over 1,300 people on their writing journey. If you enjoy listening to this episode, it would mean the world if you could leave a review on Apple Podcast, share it on Instagram, or even with a friend. Here's the episode. Hi, Chantel. How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Carly? I'm pretty good. Glad to hear you're doing well. So we're just going to dive right in. I'm going to ask, what is an example of a time that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result? Wow. (laughs) What a phenomenal question, because this one was not just a beautiful result, but I think one of the best. So I remember being a part of like a business that required me to travel to a conference that I totally did not want to attend. If you, any of your listeners have ever been a part of like a network marketing experience, they always tell you to build your business from event to event. And at the time it was just like a side business, Carly. It was not something that I was really focused on because I had my own PR company and was working with some really high profile clients. But of course you always want to do a friend a favor. And so I joined this business and they said that I had to attend this conference. Well, I was new. I didn't know anyone and wasn't really interested in growing the business, but they said, no, you got to come. And when you come, you have to set expectations. And at the time I was more concerned about my personal life than my business life. And I was like, well, if I'm going to set expectations, I expect to meet my husband. And they looked at me and actually laughed and said, you know what? There will be over 20,000 people at this conference in Vegas. So don't be snarky about it because that may actually happen. And fast forward to, or actually eight years later, that very conference that I went to and did not want to go to was the conference where I met my husband. (laughs) That is hilarious. So can you tell us a little bit about how that unfolded? Absolutely. So (laughs) Carly, I don't know where you are in terms of your marital relationship status, but you've heard about the list, right? No, the list. Tell me more. So I just, I am married, but I don't know what the list refers to. Oh, okay. Well, listen, you got lucky, but those of us (laughs) who weren't so lucky early on, you probably heard of the list and that is to list out what you want in a spouse, your top characteristics, your dream mate. And I actually didn't know about the list until I heard from God. He's like, write down everything that you want (laughs) in a man. And I literally did that. It's like a five hour flight from Atlanta to Las Vegas. And I usually am asleep, like mouth open, snoring, conked out. 
I don't want to be bothered. But on this particular flight, I could not sleep. And so I did write down nine things that I wanted in a husband. And 48 hours later in this conference where I knew absolutely no one, I happened to work my way through the line and stumbled across someone with a very strange accent. And as a publicist, I'm intrigued by people's differences. And so sparked up a conversation with a gentleman. And as we're like 15 minutes into the combo, there is another guy who approaches. And Carly, when I laid eyes on him, I knew that he was my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So how did the conversation go from there? You guys just sparked up and this conference was where you met your husband. Yeah, seriously. So like we just started talking. Um, it was love at first sight for me. He, he claims that he wasn't looking for a wife. <laughs> so he didn't immediately know that I was his, but I knew that he was mine. And, and so, yeah, we spoke and um, 48 hours later when he had to go back to Canada and I was off back to Atlanta, He's like, so we're going to make this official, right? And I'm like, wait, is this really happening? And I said yes to a strange man who was actually in America for his first time, for the first time. And I said yes to him. And that was the best decision that I could have made because here we are 10 years later, married happily with two beautiful children and building a business together, which has been really fun. Yeah. So is he from Canada? That's so cool that you guys just happened to meet of all places at this conference. Yeah, he's no, you know, he's actually from Trinidad and Tobago, a sunny island in the Caribbean. And uh, he was only on um, and in Las Vegas for the conference. And it was a layover. He didn't, he actually didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys had that in common. Exactly. He's like, oh, why do I have to spend more money to go to this conference when my final destination is in Canada? He was scheduled to do PhD, PhD research for a year. And he's like, well, since I'm already going toward that side, I might as well stop over. And so it was the best decision he could have made too. <laughs> yeah. What a great coincidence that you guys are both there as just meant to be. And so you mentioned that now you guys are married and building this business. So tell us a little bit about the business that you guys have built together. Yeah. So we have a a company called the Bestsellers Academy, and we focus on helping professionals really develop their core intellectual property. So anything from publishing your book to creating a signature message that you can give on a TEDx stage or anything that really helps you to attract an audience that will like you, know you, and trust you so that you can be a go-to expert in your field. That's what we specialize in. Gotcha. You mentioned TEDx. Have you worked with people who've given TEDx talks? Yeah, absolutely. We've helped over 50 speakers uh, from around the world give their first TEDx talk. And so that's been one of our highlights of our community. Wow. How cool. Okay. This is getting off topic from what I wanted to talk about, but how does that process look to actually become a TEDx speaker? Yeah. So typically it's on most speakers bucket list (laughs) and most thought leaders bucket list to be a TEDx speaker. So they can simply go to the TEDx website and apply because there are over 3000 events happening every year. Our community though, they don't want to just apply blindly and like 
pray and cross their fingers that they get selected, they prefer to get training so that their applications stand out, right? And so over the course of several weeks, we train them to be very clear on their message, to optimize their stories so that in less than 18 minutes, you are not only giving a talk, but you give an unforgettable talk. And once we work with them, then we help them to get exposed to organizers of these TEDx events. And we have a 99% rate of acceptance with our speakers. That's, that blows my mind. (laughs) I'm so fascinated with that. So can we go back and just, I know you had talked about the different types of core intellectual property, but can you just define that for our listeners? So they have a better idea of how important that is. Yeah. Well, the first thing to know is that each of us, we possess an entire library of incredible value, right? I think oftentimes we discount, um, the genius that's on the inside of us because we've been sometimes confined to a job that doesn't value us, that doesn't see us for the experts that we are. And so um, that's number one, is to understand that you already have value. Now, when you understand that your value is there, now you start to look at it from a business perspective because intellectual property is nothing more than understanding that the ideas that you possess, the experience that you have is valuable enough for you to put a price tag on it, right? And and that's essentially what then produces items like a book, a digital course, an unforgettable keynote speech. Also, your retreat experiences, your coaching programs, all of that comprises intellectual property, which first is born from you understanding that you have value to offer to the world. And so does anyone ever come to you and just say, I want to start developing my core intellectual property, but I have no idea what that is yet. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it, it starts with getting clear on your idea, right? So what things have you been doing for the last 10, you know, 20, 30, sometimes years that you've either done for free. People call you all the time. Hey, I need advice with this. Right. And that is potentially something that you can repackage into a course or into a book, or you can look at what you do every single day at your job, (laughs) that those meeting notes that you take, there's a formula and a system that makes your notes stand out from everyone else's, right? The advice that you give as an HR professional, that can be packaged into something that maybe a startup business needs to know, but they can't afford to hire the top experts. They can get your course, your book, your intellectual property to support their businesses. So that that's what it looks like. Okay. So did you and your husband know that you always wanted to get into this business? Yeah, we, we always had a desire to make sure that good people get seen and their ideas are spread into the world. And what I mean by that is, My husband, he was one of the youngest consultants with the Franklin Covey Institute, and he worked for the prime minister of his country and the queen of England, did events to host her in his country. And so he's always had this sort of servant leadership drive, and that has allowed him to go into management consultancy. Me, on the other hand, 
I've, my mother said I was talking from the womb and giving <laughs> advice. <laughs> and although I was the youngest of five, I've always been sort of a, a thought leader in the home. <laughs> so instead of doing chores, I would help my older siblings do them better by giving them. <laughs> of course, Carly, they didn't want to hear any of it. <laughs> And that that makes it even more challenging that you are the youngest. So were you successful in that? Because most of the time, the, the older siblings don't want to listen to the younger sibling. Exactly. I was only successful with it when I was uh, positioned on my mother's shoulders and I would give orders from on top. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when I was left alone uh, in the house with them, when my mom was at work, there was no winning. <laughs> they would they would banish me to the closet, have me do the, the same chores I told them to do. They would make me do them and I would just have to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've always had this desire to to help people, but to do it in a way that honored their skills and their gifts. And so that's what has brought me here today. Everything from starting my career as a publicist, uh, being a professor, always knowing that the wisdom that God has blessed me with would benefit others. And um, sorry, you said professor in there. I don't think I know that part of your story. Can you touch on that for a second? Yeah, I, I served as a professor teaching public relations as well as communication to freshmen <laughs> in at an undergraduate university. And that was one of my one of one of my greatest career highlights, especially because I was 25 at the time. And so they're like, and I'm only like five one. So they're like, <laughs> who is this new student who is in front of the class all the time? And I'm like, hey, no, I'm not a student. I'm actually a professor. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a pretty cool stint in my career. Yeah. And it's nice that it ties into what you do now. I'm sure that led into adding to the value that you have to offer other people. Um, so I want to take a second and talk about having a business with your spouse, I'm sure brings challenges as well as joys. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone romanticizes oh, <laughs> doing business with your spouse. That must be amazing. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it has its seasons of being incredibly amazing because there's nothing better than like celebrating the wins that you all have achieved together than as opposed to like, oh, I'm winning on the job and oh, I'm winning at my job and let's celebrate. It's like, it means more for us. And so, but there on the other side, there are incredible challenges. For example, for a while, and I still work through this, Carly, I'll be honest, trying to distinguish between my husband's voice and the CEO's voice. <laughs> <laughs> because at a traditional job, you can simply, you know, close your computer and leave the stress of the day in the office. But when you are actually, <laughs> you are the office. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no shutting of the door and you still have to report and partner with someone, it can be very challenging. I'll, I'll give you an example. When my husband, early in our business, we didn't have like project managers or other people working besides us. And he would expect a report at the end of the day. Well, I've most of my life been an entrepreneur and had little reporting to do. And so when he asked me for my daily reports, I would be stressed out. 
I would feel sometimes afraid. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to be upset with me. And that caused a lot of failed, failed communication because instead of doing what he asked, I would sometimes shut down. Or if I did what he asked, but it wasn't what he expected, there would be this feeling on his part that I didn't value him or that I was just a horrible employee. (laughs) (laughs) And so to help with that, he had to use a strategy where when he wore a white Nike hat, he would be talking to me as a husband. (laughs) When he wore a black Nike hat, he was the boss. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like holding a spoon, like the talking spoon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so that helped the communication to be a lot easier and less intimidating. And I was able to respect him in those different positions and give him what he needed when he had the different hats on. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about sometimes that had led to failed communication. So I'm sure your communication has gotten very strong over the years. Is that correct? It has. Our communication has expanded. (laughs) I'm able to use certain safe words to tell them like, okay, I'm feeling completely overwhelmed. I need a minute, right? Before it would just be, I would just shut down and not talk. (laughs) And he would really try to figure out, okay, how can I get through to her? Because what I'm asking is simple, right? Men are very linear. So he would ask me, you know, Chantel, how many calls have you made? And I would say, well, I call, I would have a whole paragraph. Well, I called this person, but they didn't answer. And that person said they would call me back. And, oh, I didn't get around to this because I was making lunch. He's like, no, <laughs> I, I have a box <laughs> and there's a number that fits in this box. And for me, I'm like, well, you got to know the story behind it. Because if you don't know the story, then you won't know that I actually did work. And you'll think that because I only made two of the 10 calls that were expected, you know, I suck as an, you know, as a, as a partner. And, and so in those moments, the communication came where I was able to, he was able to honor my desire to give context to the numbers. And I was able to, at the end, give him what he was looking for, which was the numbers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of compromise in business and in marriage. I feel like it can bleed over into one or the other. Oh yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of aspects of working together and, you know, going home at the end of the day or shutting your laptop off at the end of the day, do they a lot of the time bleed into each other? Yeah. It, you know, you have to have boundaries, right? You have to set up agreements that our work is going to go this far and no further because without those boundaries set, it's easy to bring the laptop to bed because there are emails that still need to be sent. It's very easy to, (laughs) and he would do this more times than I would like. It's easy to, at the beginning of the morning, say, hey, Chantel, did you see this email? No, I didn't see the email because although you are being the nighttime ninja, I am actually asleep because I have children to prepare breakfast for and I have you to care for. So setting up those boundaries are so essential to make sure that even though you are married to your business partner, the business should not be married to you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we had to learn. I like that perspective on business and marriage. What is some tips that you would give people who are maybe thinking about starting a business with their partner? What advice would you give to them? Don't, no. (laughs) (laughs) The best advice, simple. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it has so many advantages, <laughs> but it has, it's like life, you know what I mean? It's like, you live this life, you're going <laughs> to cry some days, right? But you're going to have some really awesome days as well. So the question is really to choose your heart, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I going to go <clears throat> the path where, you know, we're running separate businesses and it's hard because my spouse may not understand or we're going to have jobs and never get into business together. Like everything has its advantages and disadvantages. I would say if you're considering joining your spouse in business or starting one together to actually weigh the pros and cons, mm-hmm. right? Um, it could be your marriage can be on the line many times because of the performance or lack thereof in your business. Um, you could start to see your spouse in the eyes of your employee or your coworker <laughs> and let that spill over into how you see them as your wife or your husband. And so those are some of the important conversations that you need to have on the front end, pros and cons of both scenarios. And once you decide if the pros outweigh the cons, then do it. Go 10 toes deep in this thing. And trust me, you are not only going to build uh, something that can last for generations, but also enjoy the journey because you would have built it together. Mm -hmm. And so is that something that you guys did before diving in is kind of weighing the pros and cons? We didn't. (laughs) (laughs) We, We did not weigh the pros and cons. Um, And I think that, you know, there's a a scripture that says, you know, what no man puts his hand to the plow without first counting the costs. And when you count the cost, then you're able to say, hey, it's just it, it sounds good, but it's really not the best fit for us or not right now. And my advice would be to count the cost. And I wish we had counted the cost in terms of but we were young, like we, we started when we were in our early 20s. Um, and if we had counted the cost, we would have ended up here still. <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally, you, you certainly want to weigh what is to be gained and what could potentially be lost. Do you feel like you've built relationships with other people who've kind of gone on the same path? Or what do you lean on whenever the costs are a little bit heavy? Mm. That's a great question. What do we lean on when the costs are heavy? Um, we have a, a boundary um, that says when it gets too difficult in our, in our marriage because the business is going through a challenging season and it's impacting us as husband and wife, we know our, what is it called? Like our red line is that nothing is more important than us being together and being a unit. So if we have to, if you got to take a break from the business for a while, if we need to just stop everything in order to preserve our marriage, then that's what we're going to do. Right. Um, I don't know how many times I've said I quit. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And he's like, all right, go ahead. But guess what's going to (laughs) happen? The car that you like to drive, you'll have to downgrade, right? The children going to, you know, the, the, the um, a private school, you'll have to homeschool, right? So, <laughs> so he'll share with me like all of these consequences 
for, you know, to that, that decision and make, allow me to decide if that's what I'm willing to accept. And, you know, I always come back to, no, I I think I'm going to, going to stick with this thing. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of a joke and it was a girl calling her husband at lunchtime. And it was like, I thought about quitting my job, but then I had a drink of water and a snack. And now I think I can stick it out until retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's not that we need to like choose the nuclear option. It's just that maybe we need to be spoken to a little differently or that we need a break, right? So understanding what your limitations are, are going to be so important to the survivability uh, of your business and your marriage. Mm -hmm. And I love, love, love how you said that you're above all else, your marriage is a priority. And I think that that would be wise to remember for anyone going into business with their spouse is ultimately the business is not worth the, the damage that it might cause to your marriage. If that's what the result is and really being intentional about that. And then going back to like your husband saying, well, if you want to quit, then you got to downgrade the car or whatever. So it's again, choosing your heart. I really liked when you said that earlier, (laughs) but you mentioned a few times God and your faith. So how does that also play an integral part in your business? Yeah. Knowing that we're not building a business from the ground up, but rather from the heavens down, right? Because we have been assigned people to serve. Uh, We've been given gifts that can't just stay with us. They need to go out. And for those of you who are listening and you've been sort of sitting on the sidelines and trying to decide if you should go out into the deep, know that your ability to sink or swim is not dependent upon you, but it's truly dependent upon he who has created you. And that will give you the courage to know that even if you fall a couple of times, you will get back up. But the question is, are you willing to take that chance? And um, we have to ask ourselves that every single day. Am I willing to market my business on Facebook and potentially get no likes, right? Am I willing to look foolish by, you know, starting, even starting a business and having no customers for a season. If you are willing to bet on yourself, know that you're in partnership with someone else and that someone is the one who's given you all of the gifts and talents that you'll use to serve others. Mm -hmm. I really like that perspective and how you say it's not dependent on you, because I think a lot of ideologies these days are very self-sustained and it's so important to remember that it's not dependent on you and then again you talked about putting something up on Facebook and not getting likes and it's so important to to even in that moment realize who am I seeking acceptance from I think that's important to remember so have you ever gone through struggles where maybe you had the the time where you put stuff on Facebook and they didn't get the likes and how did you work through that? Yeah, I actually remember when I uh, wrote my first book um, on a mission, 21 Secrets for College Success. Uh, it was at a time where I was transitioning from being a professor. Um, I knew that I had to move beyond the classroom and I could have a greater impact if I left the classroom, but I still cared very much about uh, my students and the whole reason why I became a professor in the first place, which was to help young people understand that they're two years uh, 
or four years and beyond um, can mean so much more than just going to school and passing classes, that you can truly have a holistic experience. Um, I was able to travel to over you know, 11 countries before I was 21 years old and most of those trips I didn't pay for. So like I wrote this book uh, to make sure that students understood that there was so much more than just their academics. And so um, as I was transitioning to becoming a college coach, I was incredibly nervous about entrepreneurship, uh, but I knew I had to put myself out there and my value should be shared. So when I went and put up my first Facebook post about my business, I actually cried. I was so nervous. I was intimidated. And I was like, you know, I don't know if people will, like, what will they say? What will they think? Will they think that I am, you know, in some, like, I'm trying to get their money or like, I'm desperate. Like, I just had so many negative thoughts about what other people would think about me showing and telling people that I had a business that I did not want to post it. And thankfully, I listened. I had a good coach in my life who I remembered them saying, you know, people have to know you. They have to know you exist because what good is showing up to the world and nobody knows that you're there. And we've been given technology to our advantage. And so I got over myself <laughs> that day <laughs> and I posted it. And to my surprise, people actually, you know, really appreciated the things that I had to share. They liked the college coach <laughs> who I was at that time. And um, I was able to get speaking engagements as a result of putting my brain and my message out there. Mm -hmm. I like how you said you had to get over yourself because <laughs> it's definitely a process and a lot of people I mean myself included it's hard to to do that and it's just a continuing process well do you have anything else to add to anything that we talked about today absolutely I want your I want your audience to really appreciate that you know, we're, we don't know how much time that we have. And the worst thing that we can do is to keep our gift wrapped up, right? My, my four-year-old recently had a birthday and she got like over like 15 gifts. And one thing that I saw, Carly, was that she didn't spend time trying to figure out, oh, well, this bag is bigger. So let me open this one first. Or uh, this bag is too small. I'm going to skip over that. No, she literally in her small body, she ravaged through all of the packages, tore the paper out, didn't care how she unwrapped it. All she knew was that she had to get what was on the inside of those bags and those boxes out because she had to see it. She wanted to show us. She wanted to show her friends. And she really wanted all of us to celebrate that it was her birthday and she had received so many awesome dollies and, and toys. And so that's how I see each and every one of us is that there so much has been deposited, the pain, the joys, the lessons and the failures, all of that's been deposited into us to ensure that our mark on the world doesn't go unnoticed. And so your job is to unwrap your gifts and share it with everyone who can benefit. 
I love a good analogy. <laughs> I love how you just lead with such intentionality. And I feel like you've done that in your business and your life, even so much. I mean, you've talked about what you want to bring to the table whenever you work with people, you know, showing them their value and helping them through that. So I'm definitely glad that you and your husband started this business and that you're able to be that light for other people. Thank you so much, Carly. And I appreciate you and creating a space for those of us who are trying to figure it out every day. Uh, those of us who have just a little bit of it together, uh, but really want to connect um, and be a part of a community that we're supported and you support us so much. So thank you, Carly. Yeah, of course. So before we go, I want to ask if you have a good book or a resource that you want to recommend to people that has helped you in your life or your business. Yes, a great book is one by um, Mershon um, Daniels. It's called Believe Bigger. And that book really meant a lot to me during the pandemic because her story is just phenomenal. But in a nutshell, um, she shared the story about how she was about to be married and found out that her husband was cheating or her soon-to-be husband was cheating. And she called the entire thing off. Um, and that really stood out to me because it shows us that even though life throws us curveballs when we least expect it, our story doesn't stop there, right? We can still write the next chapter. And so I believe that that book will inspire many of us who are on different aspects of our journey to continue even despite the difficulties. I love that. And if people are, are wanting to write a book, we didn't even get to touch on this, but if they want help from you or your company, where can people find you? Yes, we have a cool community called the League of Experts. And so I encourage you to uh, go to joinloe.com so that you can find out more about how you can package your best ideas into things that are able to be shared with the world through digital courses, books, as well as keynote speeches. So maybe one day you will be quoted on a podcast um, and, and having inspired many thousands of people with the messages that you have on the inside of you. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Chantel. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Carly. Thanks so much for having me. Do you own a small business and need help with your numbers? I can help with that. Hi, I'm Carly Balti, owner of KW Accounting Services and the host of this podcast. Knowing your numbers is definitely in the top five things you should absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked, prioritize in your business. You might be scared because you think your numbers are a mess, but I can help you get them organized and keep them organized going forward. Go to my website, carlywelty.com to book a free consultation call to get quoted. Are you just starting your business and you have more expenses than income? Even if you don't have room in your budget for a bookkeeper, I still have something that can help you. Look on my website to see if my DIY bookkeeping template is right for you. Right now, get 10% off my template with the code PODCAST. Chantel had some great advice for those of you thinking of going into business with a spouse. She also had great insight for what it takes to run a successful and sustainable business. Here are the takeaways. Number one. Intellectual property is understanding that the ideas, knowledge, and expertise that you possess is valuable enough to put a price tag on it. Number two, working with your spouse can be very rewarding, but there are constantly things that need to be worked through, such as distinguishing your partner's voice from the voice of the CEO. 
I thought it was brilliant when Chantel came up with a way to distinguish this by literally having her husband wear a different color hat. What I love about this is you can literally make something as easy or as hard as you want to. In this case, Chantal and her husband brainstormed what could be the most simple and effective way to distinguish these two roles. It's only as hard as you make it. Number three, we were talking about this in terms of working with your spouse, but I really think it applies to all businesses. Understanding your limitations are so important to the sustainability of your business and marriage or just relationships in general. Number four. So much has been deposited into us throughout our lives, joy, pain, peace, lessons. And so each one of our jobs is to unwrap our gifts and share with everyone who can benefit. Thank you so much for listening into this episode. I hope you are encouraged to take the path of resistance, whatever that looks like for you. Even though it might be scary, it is worth it in the end to know you lived a life of intentionality and reaped beautiful rewards. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next one. Bye.